What up, what up, party people? It is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And you know what? We need more good people in this world. People that lift us up and inspire us to become better. I believe one of the biggest problems people face is not having a network that feeds them life. It's amazing what happens when you are told you can do something versus being told you can't. The human mind is so powerful and can decide how you want your life to pan out, but you need to take action and control it. Much easier said than done. You can do this by only feeding your mind good vibes and powerful affirmations. Today's guest will be the perfect addition to helping you level up your mindset. And let me first say, Tiffany Millette is an amazing human being. She's a seven-figure direct sales earner as well as the owner of the Direct Sales Diva magazine. Tiffany has used the power of direct sales to build an income that went on to fuel all her goals and dreams. Her story is one of tough beginnings and challenges, but she used them as a launching pad for her wildest dreams. Tiffany is the type of person you just love to be around because she is infectious with her spirit and loves abundantly. In this episode, we discuss the ups and downs of owning a restaurant, creative ways to stay in touch with people, and strategies to take control of your future. As always, you can watch this podcast with Tiffany and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 71 with Tiffany Malat. Let's jump into it. Here we are, Tiffany Malat in a bright and early morning out here in Santa Monica, California. Tiffany, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Excited to be here. Thanks so much. Your energy, your enthusiasm, your passion is something straight out of a movie. I mean, <laughs> when I first saw just a video clip of you speaking at a conference, I was like, yo, damn, she just brought the fire. <laughs> Have you always been like a fiery type of human? Actually, no, it's hilarious. Every time someone says that to me, I did a photo shoot yesterday in Las Vegas for my magazine. I was directing it and I met the owner of the studio and he said the same thing to me. He was like, whoa, you've got, we've got to work together, your energy. And it's hilarious because 20 plus years ago, I was a pessimist, like a proud pessimist. My energy was the opposite of how I am right now. So it's, it's really funny that you say that, but I, I'm glad people are saying that about my energy instead of what they used to say. So being a pessimist though, you feel that anybody can convert from a pessimist to an optimist, or do you think you're inherently born just an, an optimistic person? I think it's an excellent question. And I think that you can become whatever you want. So I think we all have uh, genetic markers or inclinations based on our genes of where we could go, but it is an absolute choice. And for me, I did not like my life as a pessimist. I got around a lot of people who were not, and I made choices every single day to not be that way because I saw results in other people's lives. And I still choose every day to look at the bright side, to find the silver lining, to write my own story and be in charge of my own destiny and manifest what I want instead of letting the world or circumstances manifest things for me. So I believe your environment has more to do with your, your life than your, uh, your DNA. So your environment has more to do with your life than your DNA. And I believe that my environment was creating my pessimism before. And when I changed that and got around different people, more optimistic people, then it changed everything for me as well. Yeah, well said. Uh, something you mentioned there is just that, that shift that you had. Do you think that you, at what point in your life, you felt like you had control over your future? 
in the sense that, you know, when you kind of go through life and you feel like life's against you and you're kind of part of a system and it's unfair and you just make every excuse in the book. And then maybe one day you look in the mirror and you come to that hard, hard truth that you actually are in control and you can right. make a change. Do you know, like, was there a certain moment in your life where you felt that there was a shift of that sort? It, it, it happened when I, I think it was, it happened right in the time I was becoming an entrepreneur, right when I was becoming an entrepreneur, because I was taught to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, do all of that stuff. And it wasn't giving me the life that I was supposed to get. And when I decided to make a, a, a switch and become an entrepreneur, then that's when I realized I had more control over my life, my lifestyle, my destiny than I actually had ever been taught before. And so that's when I realized I wasn't a victim and I could be the victor, right? I mean, it's kind of cliche, but it's very true. And I was in the driver's seat and I got really excited in that because not being a victim meant that I had control. It gave me back my power because when you feel like you're being controlled by systems, the man, whatever you want to call it, you have no control and you are going to stay pessimistic. You're going to stay hopeless. You are going to become more and more despondent and filled with despair every day in your life because you can't do anything about it. But the minute you choose and the minute you say, I can, I will, I am, then, then you put yourself back in the driver's seat. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight and it's going to not going to, it's going to be hard. There's going to be more tears than you probably, and prayers and a lot of emotions, but it's still worth it because you are in control of that. And as long as you are in control and you know that you can step into your power and live that way every day. Yeah, it's cool because you're inspiring a lot of people and you're very vulnerable. I think that's something that's very unique about you. You're not scared to just tell people really how it is. And, and the reality is life can get crazy. Life can get hard. But at the end of the day, sometimes it molds us into who we are today. And I feel like you're a great shining example of it. Could you kind of go a little bit maybe into your, your like what happened post-college for you? What was the kind of the come up for you? Like, did you just jump right into, you know, running your own business and voila? Was, what was those bumps in the road? Wow. Um, so post-college, well, that's funny because I went to college, got, I got a full scholarship to, to college and went for two years, was on the president's list and decided to drop out. My mom was devastated. And I didn't like my major. I chose the college because I got a scholarship. So I went where the money was instead of following where I really wanted to go. And that was like one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in my life that I still cling to. You know, I went for right now instead of what I really wanted later. And so I, I didn't want to be at that school anymore. Even with the school, the education paid for, I dropped out, went into the Air Force. So first post-college is the Air Force. Dropped out, uh, enlisted in the Air Force, and did an enlistment there. Learned a lot about myself. Learned a lot about what leadership is, what followership is, what life really is from serving my country. And then I got another scholarship from the Air Force and went back to college and finished up. And then graduated from college there and then went into manufacturing. So I went into corporate America, but it wasn't a pretty corporate America. It was factory work. And I was a supervisor in factories. So I worked for Anheuser-Busch. I worked for Pepperidge Farm and I worked for the JM Smucker company. So post-college was Air Force and factory work. But what's really funny about that, that is where I learned, I would say 70% of what I use to help me 
in my entrepreneurship journey. So many lessons in that. My parents laid an incredible foundation, uh, but it was those life skills, those practical skills where I wasn't protected by anyone else, where I couldn't go home. Those are the things that really taught me and kept me pushing. And then my father passed away in January of 1999, and that put me on a very different path. Um, about three months before he passed away, he asked me how work was going because he had done manufacturing for almost 30 years. And I didn't love it, but, you know, followed my dad into the same career. And then um, he said, you know, Tiff, I think there's a better way to make six figures a year. And I'm like, what, what could that be? What do you think that is? I mean, this is what we do. This is what we've always done. He said, no, I think you, I think you could make something, sell something. He said, just do something. But I don't think you have to be trapped in a factory for all those years like I was. And three months later, almost three months later, he passed away. And wow. it just put me on this spin. Like I started seeing everything differently. Work wasn't the same. It, it, every, it, the meaning for everything changed for me. And that put me on a path, kind of like a little quest to find another way. Yeah, there's so much people on that quest today. It's pretty crazy your dad says that to you. And that whole thing happens and comes full circle. After 30 years of doing the same thing. So most people who've done it, you know, the same thing over and over. And he was successful. I mean, he had multiple six-figure years, but it wasn't really, um, he had to work a lot of overtime, spend a lot of time in it. But it wasn't like, I think I, I, I was very proud of my dad when I look back that he was humble enough to say, even though this is what I did, I think there's something better for you. And um, I'm very grateful to him because most people say, this is what I did. This is what we do. And we kind of keep that going. Right. But he yeah. opened the door for me to not be loyal to him in the sense of career, but be loyal in the sense that he always wanted me to do better than he did. And um, I feel like that, that was the blessing I needed to go do something else. He sounded like an amazing human. Yes, he was awesome. Really. My, both my parents were. My, both my parents were, um, I mean, my mom, my mom actually was a daughter of a sharecropper. So she grew up picking cotton before school. She had two dresses. The story is one she wore and one she washed. They couldn't even do homework because they didn't have enough books for all the kids to go to school. So my mom ended up going to college and then she met my dad. My dad grew up in the projects of Winston-Salem. So these are like really major kind of little American success stories, considering they were African-Americans who came up during Jim Crow, civil rights, and all that kind of stuff, and um, never got jaded or tainted, just kept pushing forward and raised their kids to, um, to have a better life, one that they never, they never got a chance to have. That's so powerful. You have this drill instructor intensity with you. <laughs> You feel like, is that, is that any Air Force military background it's going in? A lot of it is, but you know, I think my first, my, my first drill sergeant was my mom. She did not play around. So, she didn't play. Uh, no, she did not play around. I was doing hospital corners at five. So, but you know, I think, you know, my intensity comes from the fact that I've learned that whenever you get a chance to share with someone, Jim Rohn says, whenever you get an opportunity to share a platform, it's, you have an obligation, you have a responsibility. And my life has changed so much because of information and inspiration that, um, and I know it was just conversations. It was Q&A sessions. It was lunches and dinners where I got a chance to break bread and have conversations with people. Those nuggets kept me going or took me to another level. So, so I mean, I'm fun too. I'm really fun too, but I always, I'm always going for it. I'll be honest. I'm always going for it. There's either something to learn or something to teach. 
and something to grow from. So I, I, I am always in that mode. Yeah, I've a lot of our colleagues or mutual friends speak super highly of you. And that goes just down to your character and, and who you are on and off the field. And so it was really cool when we first met and just hearing a little bit about some of the stuff you're doing and some of the projects you're doing. You're really doing something completely different with this, the Diva magazine, the direct sales yeah. Diva magazine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So um, my, first op- my first entrepreneur venture was in network marketing. So right. 20 years ago in March, I started that journey. And that's how I got into entrepreneurship. Changed my life completely. Helped me walk away from my job. Helped me earn, um, I mean, I earned eight figures in the time I was there. I got to a multiple seven-figure income. Helped me open up the doors to launch a lot of other businesses. And since I've retired from actively building, I still love, adore, and respect the industry. And I know that 80% of the profession basically is women. And, but 80% of the success stories being told are not. So I, I was a journalism minor. I was the editor of my high school yearbook, high school uh, newspaper, college newspaper. So journalism, in a way, has always been in my blood, I guess you could say, uh, from high school. And I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. I love the power of hearing them. I believe the adage, facts tell, stories sell, but I think stories go deeper than any just basic information. And so what I've done with Direct Sales Diva Magazine is I've put together a digital magazine that comes out every single month. It's free to anyone who subscribes to give them inspiration and information in a very high fashion feel. So it's kind of a Vogue magazine and O magazine for entrepreneurs, mostly for women in the space of direct sales and network marketing. That's cool because entrepreneurship and network marketing in general is really kind of this gateway drug into entrepreneurship. And yeah, it definitely I, I, is. I feel I see it more and more that these people that have go on to become successful in network marketing tend to dip their toes in many different various aspects. That's I like right. I, I we're a big proponent of the direct sales just in general on this podcast because you know I have found that it is the best way for the average like the super super average person to win you know you don't have a lot of skill sets but you in general want to start your own business because it's kind of like entrepreneurship but without all the risks so well yeah i i agree with you 100 percent. i mean it, it, it takes ordinary people and helps them become extraordinary i was a jelly maker 20 years ago and because of network marketing and not just the company but the fact the the education the leadership the training the inspiration, the camaraderie, the community, all of that stuff. I mean, I've literally started um, seven, seven different businesses um, from investments. I've owned investment properties in two, three countries. Um, I started a publishing company. I have this one. I started a restaurant in our, in our hometown. We started a restaurant and people were like, you don't know anything about it. We had the most successful restaurant the whole time we ran it. And, and up against people with. 20 years of restaurant experience, we came in and just crushed it. Every We had lined two-hour waits for people Wait, to get in the restaurant. Let me stop you there. What did you do to make a freaking fantastic restaurant? What was the secret sauce? You know, the secret sauce is a great idea, lots of promotion, and systems in delivering the product and the, and the service. So we took the network marketing system, what we learned in network marketing, creating a simple system that everyone could do, plug people in, and we put that into our product. So we systemize our menu, we systemize our delivery of the service, and we promoted like crazy because we were people 
um, that loved on people. The energy in our restaurant was so amazing. And we paid attention to all the details, right? We paid attention to the things that made a person want to come back. And in the first 90 days, we were in profit mode, which is really hard in restaurant because the margins are so small. And I mean, we had people literally standing in line for our Friday night fish rides for two hours. Um, and, and, you know, I'll tell you something else too. Another secret to it was we didn't care because it was our own money. We had it. Um, we weren't nervous about, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, we can't pay our bills. So I think it gave us a freedom to do whatever. And we were leaders and we were entrepreneurs and we believed in ourselves. Um, and I'm speaking of my then husband. Um, we were business partners and we were married at the time and we started our business then. still friends and great co-parents. Um, but you know, he had this crazy idea. He said, you know, he always wanted to own a, a restaurant. I'm like, you know, I can start any business and make it work. So I took it and ran with it and it was cool. It was fun. I'd never do it again, but it was a great experience. <laughs> Is it just cause it's just too much moving parts. It just burns you out. I, I personally feel that, um, the margins are way too small. And I would, if I did do it again, I would do it on a big scale to expand very quickly, very, very fast. So you could get that exponential money coming in. Um, just one little restaurant over and over and over again every day. Not for me. But the good thing is like the first, first two, three months, first month, I was 100 hours a week in this restaurant. And it was really weird for me being a network marketer because the network marketing, you, you, start, you spend a lot of time, but then you get all your time back because you put the systems in. And that's exactly what I did in the restaurant. I was like 100 hour a week. My daughter was 18 months old. I was like, I didn't sign up for this. So um, she was like in the, in the car seat and I'm in the office, you know, where she's in the restaurant. My daughter grew up in the restaurant. Um, so uh, for, the first, for the first year. But we, um, after that, I realized I've got to get myself out of here so I can get my time freedom back. And so I was able to use what I learned in the profession of direct sales and network marketing to get that back. And then after six months, I wasn't even in the restaurant. I was traveling back, doing what I wanted to do, and it was doing extremely well. So, so that's why I believe that the education and the training in network marketing, you can apply to anything. Let me just say this, and I'm not trying to sell anyone network marketing, but for everyone who's like, ah, those things, let me tell you about it. I have had so many friends who joined our profession part-time. They loved me. We were sorority sisters. We grew up together, whatever the case may be. They joined and they didn't do what I did. I went all in. They did it for a year, part-time, made some extra money, but they went on to start other businesses or they went and got promoted in their, on their jobs. I have a sorority sister who did one year with me, made an extra 500 to a thousand a month for about a year, stopped doing it, got a promotion on her job that doubled her income, put her in charge of the whole state. She did that for a few years and now she has her own boutique, physical locations and online and she's crushing it. And she says that one year of education just helped her really just see things differently and lead and communicate and promote differently. So anyway, I believe in it. It is the gateway drug and it makes you want to, uh, you feel like you can make money in anything after you do network marketing for a little while. What up, party people? This is a quick Len Jones break to announce the winner of this week's $50 gift certificate. Congratulations to Adam W. for being our winner. Please shoot me a direct message to collect your prize. Each podcast episode, we will be giving out $50 to a random listener who leaves the podcast review on iTunes and shares the podcast episode on their Instagram story. Remember to tag me on Instagram at Len Jones so I can reshare your posts and celebrate you on my timeline. Now, let's jump back into this podcast with Tiffany. It is so true. Preach. It basically, 
for the first time in your life for a lot of people it's you people just believe in you you know it's like you yes. go to some event and it can be overwhelming for sure yeah, sometimes for sure. people just play off that way too hard but when you just got all these people believing in you lifting you up uplifting you and making you realize that there is actually another way like when you even make a few hundred dollars in any side hustle it makes you realize wow how do i scale this how do i build this and too many people are stuck to the chains of their daily habits and they're really not stepping into their greatness and their skills and all the different things they want to do. And they're not testing the waters and trying new things. There's so much excuses why they can't do it, but they're just not taking that first step. And you seem to be the, first of all, you said you were a jelly maker. So you, it was actually jelly. It was actually jelly. I actually made jelly for the James Smucker company, like great jam, peach preserves, strawberry. I did all of it. Oh, strawberry. <laughs> the strawberry jam with them is bomb. It's it is. Fire. It is. It's all excellent products. I also made goldfish crackers and mint Milano cookies. So I actually was the supervisor in charge of the processes from the beginning with when it was just ingredients until it was packaged and going out the door. It's cool because you make, you make this money and then you go and invest into these other projects that you've always wanted to do. It gave you the freedom to do that. And now you're in a position where you've developed an amazing network. And that's something that I really admire about you. You know, people really do respect you and, and that's just a lot with your character, uh, but you're very well connected. And, and that's I, when we were first chatting offline, we were just talking about all the different you know, people we've met through these connections and just how yeah. powerful that connection is. What can you kind of tell a little bit about maybe what you've learned in your career when it comes to reaching out to people of influence and, and just communication in general? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, I learned a long time ago, I heard a quote, I'm sorry, I can't remember who said it. Maybe it's Robert Kiyosaki, but it was um, wealthy people build networks, everybody else goes to work. And that really changed everything for me because as a pessimist, I was proud to have this very tiny circle. I didn't really fool with people. People are headaches. I don't need friends. Um, and as I built network marketing, I realized the reason why a network is so important for if there are a few reasons. The first one is you can get more done with the team, right? You can get more done with other people and not just their money. Uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes people think about building a network is that a network is like, oh, I'm doing this project. Can you be an investor? But I haven't, I've actually, every business I've ever built, I've bootstrapped it. I have never, ever gotten an investment from anybody. Um, not that I won't one day, but I just have made my own money. I've had my own money to do it. So my network is not about investment. And I think a lot of people think that's what networks are for. My networks give me like insight. They give me inspiration. They give me motivation. They give me like, connections they say okay this i know this much but you got to go talk to this person because they are doing it and it's like you cannot you know aristotle said learn from other people's mistakes so you don't have to make those mistakes right and so your my network has kept me from going down paths and falling in pitfalls and has helped me avoid so many things and make my own mistakes because they gave me a chance to learn from other people's mistakes so um i just personally believe oh and i'll tell you something else that i learned that networks make you know when you have friends i mean your life is longer and more fulfilling and your health you actually are healthier i mean um i mean if you look at the healthiest countries in the world overall um they are they're always throwing parties 
or they're always doing celebrations or they always have dinners with a group of people. They're always very connected. And so fellowship is such a key part of our existence today. There's 7 billion people on the planet for a reason, not to walk around by yourself. And so, and the, the, uh, the fact that you get a chance to learn and glean and just in, and encourage and be encouraged is uh, to me more valuable than any dollar amount. And it helps you grow. Your associations are key. You are the average of the five people you hang around, right? So when you get a chance to grow and your network grows, your, your associations grow, then you can't help but grow. And so now I just, I'm always excited about meeting new people like yourself. Yeah, I love what you mentioned there about the connections and human beings are meant to have these personal connections. I, I read an article a long time ago about questioning how in America, for example, it's very normal to when you have a kid to put them into a separate room and have like the, the, the baby room, right? You get right. the camera, you're monitoring the baby. Right. But that's actually really rare in other countries. It's, it's mostly multiple people sleeping in the same bed. It's this community yeah. culture. I just think that's so fascinating how the family aspect for sure makes you a happier person. People that have gatherings, people that have beautiful Thanksgivings and Christmases with family that adore them and love them. And that's just such a better way to live life. But there's a lot of people that A, don't have that luxury or two, they didn't get born with that luxury, but they have the option of creating it. And your, yes. friends, your friends can become family. And that is probably the most beautiful thing about existing because every time we have these big time issues and life comes calling your father passes away and these big things happen it's like who do you call your friends like these people right. that make you feel good you go through a breakup you call your girl and she puts you that's back right. on track yeah you know, it's like true. building these connections is so big and also i feel like a lot of the times we try to do things ourselves and when we do things ourselves we miss critical critical points so when you start brainstorming your ideas with these people of influence, this network that you've created, they'll see things a different way that'll just unlock new barriers, you know? You, you, you have to have it. You have to have it because we are only one person with one perspective. And anything great that is happening in the world today is great because of multiple perspectives. There may be one vision. There may be one vision. There may be one mission. There may have been one person with that idea. But I promise you, if it is amazing and we're talking about it, it's because they humbled themselves to get multiple perspectives to bring that to, to bring that vision to fruition. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. You know, I I I I have um grew up with two sisters and a brother. We didn't have a huge huge family. We moved away from our close family. I was born in North Carolina and moved to Florida. And so we, I didn't grow up with my immediate family, that extended family around. And I just, I understand the importance of it. And I've moved a lot and I am a professional um, friend getter and family getter. Like I, I, I've moved, like, I've lived in like 10 different states and I, I have friends and family and everywhere. Like they, you would think, oh, you guys grew up together. Oh, you guys, that's your sister. And they'll be like, kind of, but no, because, but they become blood to me because I make people my family. And my daughter has that gift. Like we don't meet strangers. We are friends with everyone and our lives are better because of it. So um, for those lonely people who are just on devices or eating alone all the time, life is better when you connect with somebody for sure. And connecting with people on a consistent basis is a challenge in itself, right? It's like whatever you're watering is growing. So if a friendship isn't getting watered, yeah, you can go five years and pick right up off where you left, but 
you know, it's good to constantly do little things to keep them in mind. Are there any things you'd recommend that you have done to be able to stay in touch with your network? You know, it is, it, <laughs> that's such a good question. And it's such a good point. So I have a really, really great friend who is a professional football player. This guy knows everybody. So you think, oh, he's a football player. He knows, all football. He knows everybody. Like, the world, presidents, senators, he knows everybody. And he's super busy and you're, and, and I remember, like I met him a few years ago and we were talking and I was talking about how a mentor of mine in the Air Force like completely changed my life. She was my first female mentor besides my mom. And I was telling her how this story, it's this amazing story. He was so moved and he goes, so when was the last time you talked to her? Like how often, when, when, when did you tell her this? How long ago did you tell her how you're doing? And I was like, no, I haven't seen her in a while, actually. He was like, well, when did you get back in touch with her? And I was like, I didn't. I mean, and that was like 25 years ago. And he was like, ah, oh, Tim, you can't do that. And I learned from him that no matter how busy your life is, you put in your calendar to get in touch with those people, even if it's just a text or an email to just say, hey, I just want you to know that conversation helped me do this. Hey, I just want you to know I appreciate the last time you're together. So I am very intentional now about everything and everything has to go in your calendar, even staying in touch with your friends. And yes, we do benefit for some people. We don't see for years. It may, it may go a while before we actually talk to them again. Um, and you can get back together and boom, it's just like you never left. But it's so much better when they get those reinforcements along the way. So my new thing now is I have like, this list of people and I put on my calendar at least once a month to reach out, tell them I love them, tell them, hey, remember when we talked about this? Well, I got this and it's going here or just shoot them, just wanted you to know this is what's happened or thanks, Cody did this, just to let them know and it doesn't have to turn into lunch or a big conversation, but those little, those little deposits um, of appreciation and a gratitude and I love yous and I appreciate you and you know, hey, we're still friends, even though I'm busy and you're busy, but I still love you. You're still my friend. That makes a huge difference in a person's world and increasing um, the bond between you two. But I'll tell you something else. It strengthens your network, but it also strengthens you because you become better at constantly reinforcing people, reinforcing that, um, that connection. And it makes you better in the people in front of you and the people away from you. And I think you become a better leader um, because of that. I love the schedule thing because I mean, even when, if you're, if, even if you're just signed up for a 30 day Netflix trial, make sure you put that stuff in your calendar before you get charged, homie. It starts there. Now, those apps will have you crying in 90 days. Starts there. Seven day trial, put it down for five. Okay. That's the truth. But with these relationships, I really like the idea of that. I mean, it'd be kind of a cool thing to every time you put a new uh, contact in your phone to write six months later, somewhere in your calendar, contact. Cynthia, you know, right. just, just keeping it up mind, top of mind and, and making you realize that these connections are everything. Human beings need to be connected. It's like the, the long house living. You know, I, I personally wish I lived in a house like I, I go back to my like, days being in a fraternity. Yeah, the frat house was an absolute garbage hole, um, <laughs> you know, straight out of a horror movie. But living with like 10, 15 people in the same house was awesome. You know, right. I love the community aspect. I love everyone pitching in and well, this, right. this didn't happen there. People didn't really pitch in. <laughs> I'm just saying in, in general that- The idea of it is really nice. 
yeah, like living with your friends, living in a community. Uh, community is so important to us as people, as functioning adults and having social lives. I think it's really important to mix, find a way, find a profession that does a good job mixing work with community. Otherwise, it's too much work to have yeah. a social life when work takes all of your time. You know what I it mean? It can't. It definitely, it definitely can't. I agree. I agree with that. But whether, whatever your job is, if you're stuck with a job right now, that is work. You've got to find a way to connect with people outside of that. And for me, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a believer. So I go to church. I make tons of friends there. You know, a spiritual way, a spiritual connection, no matter what your faith is, gets you a lot of great friends. I, I do volunteer work. I love mission trips. I do a lot of philanthropy, volunteer work. Those are some of the, my best friends. That's how I've met some of my favorite people in the world today um, over the past few years was on mission trips. And you know, when you get in these situations where you connect with people and you spend time and you do something great, one of my strongest bonds um, from uh, since my post-divorce came from a mission trip. Like literally, I just, I need to do something different. I got to stop thinking about myself. I'm going through the hardest thing in my life right now. And it's time for me to focus on something and someone else instead of my, my problems. And I went on a mission trip for 11 days, connected with, did amazing work, connected with amazing people. But one Where'd of my, work, I went to uh, Kinshasa and the DRC, Congo in Africa. And it was with the Starkey Hearing Foundation. It was, we fit people with hearing aids, non-people with hearing aids. So hearing here, hearing loss is a problem, but over there in other third world undeveloped country, underdeveloped countries, hearing loss is really bad because it comes from just things like, like illnesses and trauma. And so there are people walking around who can't hear, but all they need is a hearing aid. And so it's really awesome. We spent all day long eight, 10 hour days, fitting people with hearing aids. And it's no, there is no greater feeling that I felt besides, you know, my daughter is having a woman come sit in my chair with a baby and a, like a little two-year-old and a newborn baby. And she can't hear them cry. She's never heard her baby cry. She's never heard her kids babble, say anything to her. And then in minutes, I sit her with a hearing aid and her baby is goo goo gaga and she hears it and she's shocked and tears are streaming down her face. Or a man who could sing, had a voice of an angel, made everyone else feel amazing from his singing, but he never heard it. And I fit him with the hearing aid and then we told him to sing and he's singing and crying because he hears his own voice for the first time. So um, I've done several missions with the Starkey Hearing Foundation in a few countries, but that was my first one in another country. I went to, uh, went to the Congo in Africa. But I went and gave, I needed joy. I needed peace. I needed love. And instead of looking for it, I went and gave it. And it filled me up and got me through that divorce. I got that divorce over so fast um, and just got me on my path um, because I gave what I needed. And yeah. a lot of times the very thing you're needing, that's what God or the universe, whoever you call on, that's what they're saying you need to give. So I needed it and I gave it and my strongest bond for the next three years, like my greatest friend for the next three years came from that mission trip, standing side by side, doing that work together, being there, seeing the tears in the eyes, getting our own tears in our own eyes. Um, that, that, created, that created a friendship that'll be there forever. So, so I, can just, I can just tell you that um, connecting with people, volunteering, dart league, um, you know, whatever you do, you know, happy hour, 
but it just strengthens you and makes you it makes you better and um it gives you what you need so you could give it to somebody else that's beautiful thank you for telling that story i love that you got to give to get it's like the person that sends gifts all the time gets a lot of gifts that's right there's almost this guilt factor especially when christmas comes around and it's like oh damn you know <laughs> Julie got me a gift. I didn't get Julie a gift. You know, oh, man. You know, next thing you know, you got a gift coming to Julie. It's just like, in general, when you create that culture of gift giving, I, I, I can't wait to have like my own house one day and, and have a family one day just because I want to send the most badass Christmas cards. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be that dude that just goes over the top, you know? So let me just tell you, let me just, let me just tell you what I would do. And I'll tell you what I did. Send the badass Christmas cards now with you by yourself, the most awesome Christmas cards now with you by yourself, because when you do that, you are opening up the path where more people are gonna know what's the next year look like. The next year look like, you say, this year it's me, next year it's gonna be her, next year it's gonna be them, because I manifested a marriage family, my daughter, I manifested all of that, but I did everything I wanted to do as a married woman or a mother, I did it alone. And then next thing I know, it was coming into my life. So do the badass Christmas cards now, and I'm gonna give you my address so I get one in 2020. So <laughs> done. I'm in. I love this idea. <laughs> it's cool. But I, I, I believe in digital, so you can send me a digital because I, I, all the paper drives me crazy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously though, it's like, I mean, it's a full time gig. It's you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta bust them out. You gotta send them out. That's right. So, so Tiff, if you could go back in time, right? Like say, yeah, you could speak to that, that girl right after college and you could have said, you know, listen, listen, young Tiff. I got, that's your rap name, young Tiff. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> little, little Tiff. Um, yeah. If I could say one, two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, money, headache, heartache, just a couple things that you, you know, whether you followed it or not, but if you did follow these lessons, it would have just improved your, the lessons you've learned. And it can't be, I wouldn't say anything because it made me who I am today, which is a yeah, great I response. But what, what do you think you would say to the younger you that, that would have just helped? Well, first one I would say is relax. I was so high strung, super competitive. And, um, I would just say relax. Like it's the joy is in the journey. Okay. Um, just relax because I gave myself so much angst because it didn't come fast enough. And I was always asking myself, which I think helped me in a way, but it also made me miss out on a lot of key lessons. And it helped. And it also, it also hurt uh, in the beginning, my leadership with a lot of people because I wanted it. I wasn't impatient, but I felt like, look, I'm in control here. If we just do this, if we just do that, um, and there are people, their growth pattern, their journey was different. Um, and so I would have just relaxed a little bit. I would have I been more vulnerable a lot sooner in my career. I would have stopped trying to be, you know, the perfect buttoned up, polished person and just said, look, let me just tell you my first month, this is what it looked like. I would have done that a lot sooner and I would have given myself a lot more grace. And I would have said, look, just relax and give myself a lot more grace. You are new. You are learning you are getting it, you're going to get it, but just enjoy the journey right now. I would have said that. And then the second thing I would have said is, you are the problem, they aren't the problem. <laughs> I would have told myself that a lot wow. sooner uh, because I was really great at seeing what everybody else needed to do. And I wasn't 
very quick on seeing what I needed to do. And what I learned later, a few years after that, I learned that if I just focus on what I can control, so my whole adage in life today is there are only two things I can control, my attitude and my actions. And if I focus on controlling me and what I do and think, then that's pretty much going to take care of 80% of the whole situation. And, and if it doesn't take care of the situation, if, they, if it doesn't rectify the whole situation and everything's not great, and I've done all I can do, then that's not on me. That's on the good Lord. And I'm just going to bless them and go on about my business. And so that is where I am. Those are the two things. I mean, I would have worked harder on me than I did on my business. I would have said, you're the problem, not them. Work on you. And I would have just said, relax and give myself a lot more grace and enjoyed the journey a lot more because it should have been a lot more fun along the way. That's interesting. That's so interesting because you can hear that right now and you can listen to that and internalize it and then make a decision to apply it to your life or you can just kind of hear it and let it go out the other way. But it's so interesting. You know, we never know when the last day is. We never know what the future holds. The Kobe Bryant deal, you know? Come on now. Absolutely it's, crazy. Well, you know, for me, you know, we talked a while ago. I'm trying to... we. After we talked the first time offline, um, just to set all this up, we had a great conversation. I think it was like just two days later, two or three days later, I was hit by a car. So, so I am just, everything I'm saying, and, and that may be the intensity too. It may be because two weeks ago, two weeks and two days ago, I got hit by a car, I was on a run. In my neighborhood, we have a very strict speed limit. It's kind of like my neighborhood's known to be like, you know, super safe and we've got guard gates and all this kind of stuff around. This dude was flying through the neighborhood and turned into me while I was running and hit me, like just hit me. And I looked split second. I saw him drive into me. I hit the hood of his car, the trunk of his car, the roof of his car, rolled over it three or four times like a stunt woman. And then landed on my side on the pavement and was out. And I'm going to tell you when, when I came to, I was out for a little while when I came to, I honestly thought when I opened my eyes, I was going to see what afterlife looks like. I thought I was going to, I thought I was dead. I thought that he had killed me when he hit that car and when he hit me with his car. And, and then thank God I wasn't. And, you know, I'm here today. And so when, and so it was two weeks later, I'm sitting in an event in this training situation and then everyone's phones are going off. And then I find out, you know, we find out what happened to Kobe and Gigi. And I'm like, two weeks ago, that could have been my story. Two weeks ago, people could have been posting, oh, I'm sorry. And rest in peace, Tiffany, and sending stuff to my daughter and, you know, to my family that, I mean, it was, and it was just like, my question now is like, what does God have for me to do? Because Kobe was amazing, you know, had a full life, was doing amazing things, touched the world. And here I am, you know, I have more work to do. And God gave me another chance to hug my daughter, to do more for my community, to do something for his kingdom. And so it is not just so when you get information, you have to apply it. You, have, you can't just let it go in one ear out the other. You can't just say, oh, that's good for her or that's not my issue. You have to go, what can I do? Because tomorrow, what you do today can affect someone's life. And tomorrow, you don't know if you're going to get that second chance. And I think one of the things, I mean, between my, my accident and Kobe and Gigi, 
in just two weeks, it has hit me so hard that tomorrow is not promised, that every day you're living your legacy. You don't leave a legacy, you live your legacy. And, if, and every day you're living it. And if what you're doing every single day isn't strengthening that legacy, expanding that legacy, or sharing that legacy and helping others live theirs, then you're not living right and you gotta do something different today. So you said earlier my intensity, I, I shouldn't be here. Someone said, when a person gets hit by a car the way I did, it's a 50-50 chance of survival. And the same day that I got hit, there was another man who got hit like me and he died and I lived. So I do, I, I think I am on another level right now. Damn. Maybe I'm a little too much, but um, I, I got another chance. And um, I don't know why, but every minute that I get, I'm going to make sure I, I please him and show him how grateful I am for being here. All right. So you're basically Catwoman at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. <laughs> it's so amazing the soul circle of life deal when it comes to you have huge tragedy inside society it has this such a in a, in a powerful ripple effect on the world and it allows these lessons i mean just the whole thing with kobe is so insane i mean the amount of people that are just feeling the same talk about somebody that left one of the most amazing legacies of all time i mean there's not many people that could have the impact that Kobe's having right now today. That's and right. it really makes us question ourselves. What is our impact? What are we doing? What are we doing every day that makes this happen? If today was our last day, actually, I'd probably, you know, wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd be, you know, <laughs> I'd be streaking at Disney world. Right. Getting, <laughs> but you know, in general, you know, it's just thinking, how can we always live a better life and be positive and feel fulfilled? You know, like you go up when you go to sleep, like how do you go to sleep knowing that you did everything you can? I think, Something that hit me this year at, at my age right now was I started to get more scared at having to come to the conclusion that I didn't succeed or at least try what I really wanted to accomplish. And that fear is more powerful than the fear of failing. Uh, it's right. just like, I, I need to try because if you don't try, you never know. And if That's you don't right. give it a shot, if you don't put that post out, if you don't start that business, if you don't make that move, you have to live with yourself. And that's the worst person to live with if, if it ain't a happy you. That's and right. I, think, I think that your message is so powerful and, and heals and communicates and the way you can touch people's souls with your voice. I mean, it's powerful stuff. You really have such a bright future ahead of you. You're definitely getting started. This is not the only time you guys are going to be he hearing from Tiffany Malat, <laughs> you know. I, I, I appreciate that so much. And and that, and that is my goal. And I know exactly how you feel about, you know, we are very, our age different. We got a lot of years in between us, but even that is the question every day to an entrepreneur. That is, that is the fear every day. When you get it, you realize that the risk of failure is greater than the risk of success. And when you realize that every time you fail, you didn't really fail. You just succeeded at learning that that wasn't the way to do it then every day is a success, right? Every day is a success. So um, I just really feel like um, it's, just, it's just about getting up every day and doing what you can do, um, not making excuses and just doing what you can do and being willing to just go out there and take a chance. And um, what I feel, and I, I believe very much in the power of manifestation. And um, when we started the conversation about me being a proud pessimist, 
I've learned that you write your own story, you dictate your own fate, right? You, you decide. And when I was a pessimist and I was always proud that the glass was half empty and there was a hole in the bottom because I could never get hurt if I never expected anything, that is what I got. That is what I got. I got exactly, you don't get what you want, you get what you expect. And as a pessimist, I expected nothing and I got it. I got job that I didn't really care for. I got regular income. I got a good enough car. That's what I expected. That's what I got. And then when I learned that I can reframe that, that I can tell a different story. Tony Robbins says it's not the problem that's the problem. It's the story you're telling yourself about the problem that's the problem. So when I said, okay, wait a minute, I can write a whole new story for myself, then I'm about to start writing it. And that is what has happened over the past 20 years. I mean, yeah, there've been a few things in there that I didn't write in, but you know, every good protagonist has its challenges, right? Um, so, I mean, I, I've done the tragic hero things a few times, but I still wrote the ending on those, still wrote it. You are in control. You have the pen to the story of your life. And yeah, um, what, what is that story we're telling ourselves every day? It's like the most badass people are just someone that told themselves a much bigger story and believed it. Exactly. And the key word is believes it. The key word is believe it. And the thing is, you don't have to write the story that I'm a millionaire or I've got 10 gazillion followers or I live in the mansion. You don't have to write that story first. You know what my first story was? I get my money back. That was my first story. My first story that I wrote and told myself was I invested this money and everyone said it wasn't going to work. So mine was I get my money back. This thing works. I get my money back. That was my first story. And that story helped me quadruple my initial investment. My second story was I quit my job. I don't do this anymore. I don't work here anymore. I do my business full time. You made that happen in five months. My next story was I make six figures a year. I make a half million a year. I make a million a year. I make two million. A year. I just change every time. So I didn't start. I didn't start big. I just started with one that I could that I could that I could believe. One that I I felt I could attain. And when I checked that off, I hurried up and wrote a new one. Wrote a new one and wrote a new one. And so that's all you got to do. And the biggest baddest people and their stories who have the baddest stories. Um, they just write more, more often, and they just check them off faster so they can say next. I mean, like I just, I followed the rock on Instagram and now he's got a tequila brand. I mean, he's got a tequila brand, you know what I mean? And he's out hustling his tequila. I mean, the thing is, that is just a story. He decided, oh, I like tequila. I want my own tequila. After he became a movie star, after he became this, this, and this, he just, just keep writing. Just keep writing. I, I listened to this funny Dave Chappelle interview and he was talking about the first time he ever met Kanye West and they were inside some studio and Kanye's on the phone and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm out here with Dave Chappelle. And then they said, why? He said, why? Because I'm Kanye West and I do dope shit. Exactly. <laughs> Dave Chappelle goes, that's when I knew Kanye West was going to be a star. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, because he pumped himself up. You know, there was a old song that I grew up listening to my parents used to sing in church and in it the lady said encourage yourself stop waiting on other people and encourage yourself and when you become your own cheerleader when you become your own motivator when you can look at yourself in the mirror and say this is who you are bitch then that's when you start believing it and that's what you have to do you know my I wrote I told you I my story was to make six figures and um in the company I was in it was in 2002. I started saying, I earned six figures a year. And I started in early 2002. I got that six-figure ring in October 2003, okay? But I, for a year, over a year, I'm writing this. But you know where it, it went to the next level? I actually wrote my acceptance speech. So in this company, 
when you got the ring, they had the big banquet at the convention and everyone dressed up. And when you got it for the first time, they would have you walk up to the stage and you get a chance to do your acceptance speech. I wrote my acceptance speech for my six-figure ring in 2002. I wrote it out, put it next in, the, in my nightstand next to my bed. And when it was getting hard, when things went right, I would pull it out. I would go to my bathroom mirror and I would stand and I would visualize myself, what I looked like, what I was wearing. And I would read my acceptance speech to over a thousand people. And I wrote that speech and I read that speech for about eight months. And I gave that speech about, about eight months, eight, nine months after I got the ring eight months. I think I had the convention was like two or three months later, but, and I, and you know what I said in my mind, I had on a blue dress. I had long hair when I was writing. I said, I'm going to chop off my hair, get rid of all this old energy. I'm going to have a short haircut. I said, I'm going to have on this kind of necklace. In my speech, I did a Harry Truman quote, and I thanked my father. Everything that I was doing for that eight months leading up to that, I had on a blue dress. I cut my hair, and I thanked my father, and I quoted Harry Truman. I wrote my acceptance speech. So my, my thing right now to everyone is write your acceptance speech. Write the story. Write what you say. <laughs> there it is there she is tiff thanks so much for for jumping on we appreciate you so much the audience appreciates you so much i think you turned off your camera i'm but, about to come back on my bed i was trying no, to take a little screenshot of us oh, oh no anyway, worries can i take a screenshot of us oh yeah screenshot away uh i'll, I'll smile real quick for all the listeners oh, okay. out here tiffany's I doing a it. quick screenshot got it but, you know, we really appreciate hearing this story. I know some of these, like the audience is really going to resonate with your story. If people want to get more of Tiffany in their life and they want to continue following your journey, um, tell them about how they can subscribe to the magazine and tell them anything else that you'd like to share as we close up. Great. Thanks so much. Um, I'm on Instagram at Tiffany Malat. It's uh, A-N-E-Y, one L, two T's. Um, directsalesdiva.com is where you can go to subscribe to the magazine. It's free and it's for everyone. Men and women are loving it um, and it's great information. And I also have a private group, Direct Sales Diva on Facebook, Facebook, where I go and I train and I coach people on entrepreneurship, leadership, and just stepping it up. So, um, so yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm happy to uh, share hopefully in your journey and hopefully inspire you along the way. Boom. There it is. Tiff Malat. That one of the greatest to ever do the game and she's just getting started thanks, thanks so much so for coming much. on tiffany i can't wait to see you my pleasure great to see you too thank you for listening to another episode of len jones party of two if you enjoyed it please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes and remember hope is not a strategy keep making moves till next time peace